This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 22, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. Republican U.S. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas is a vocal opponent of sentencing reform and even modest prison reforms, putting him at odds with members of his own party who appreciate the expense and damage done by wildly disproportionate sentencing. Kevin Ring is president of Families Against Mandatory Minimums. We spoke yesterday. Sentencing reform has been languishing on Capitol Hill. It's it has been a priority for for many senators for some time and, re- and representatives for some time. Um, and I haven't seen much about it. But what gives me hope that it might actually be happening is the fact that uh, Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton is so very much against it. Yeah, Tom Cotton emerges like a troll every couple of years when he thinks sentencing reform is about to happen. Um, and blasts it as, as as much as like a three-year-old would approach uh, two people working on a puzzle and just start throwing pieces. He doesn't have much constructive to add to the debate. He doesn't know a lot about the topic, but he has this um, sort of ideology of, you know, uh, crime, bad, safety, good, as if nobody understands that except for him. And so he throws these tantrums and starts accusing everybody of being soft on crime. And we're talking about people like former prosecutors, police, uh, Senator Mike Lee, who was a former federal prosecutor, um, all sorts of people who he smears as being soft on crime because they don't agree with him that we should just dump the federal treasury into the Bureau of Prisons and lock everybody up for life sentences. All right. So what is it specifically? What is the piece that is moving through uh, the process right now that he is so opposed to? Well, it's really everything. I mean, he, he um, is clever in that he acts as if there are things he would support, but he doesn't. So for instance, the House moved on what was called the First Step Act, which was a prison reform bill, made changes to programming in prisons, other Bureau of Prison programming, um, but didn't touch sentencing. Even when that bill was being contemplated by the House, Senator Cotton's staff was calling law enforcement groups and asking them to come out against it, uh, even though he says he's for programming that will help reduce recidivism. It passed overwhelmingly in the House, 360 to 59, came to the Senate, and now Senator Grassley, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, has been interested in adding sentencing provisions. He met with the White House. President Trump expressed interest in adding some sentencing provisions. And these are modest things that would affect you know, things like instead of your third uh, drug offense, you getting a life sentence, you would get 25 years. Not a slap on the wrist by any stretch of the imagination. But Senator Cotton is calling this bill a jailbreak. And so, you know, like I said, I mean, he acts as if there are things he would support. But when you drill down, he's opposed to anything that would bring any sort of common sense to the system. And these are things, again, being proposed by Chuck Grassley you know, who's been tough on crime his whole career. Senator Ted Cruz supports most of these provisions. Uh, Mike Lee, again, you go down the line and he's such an outlier, but in a dysfunctional Senate, you know, he has some sway. All right. So what are some of the biggest things that uh, proponents of sentencing reform should be looking at uh, right now? Well, the key is that Senator Grassley met with the president and got his consent to try to add a few of these provisions. The things that I think people um, are really rallying around are at least a couple of things. One is in 2009, Congress changed the crack sentencing laws to make it more equal between crack and powder cocaine sentences. 
there was a 100 to 1 disparity. They reduced it to 18 to 1. But in typical fashion, they didn't make it retroactive. So people who were serving those long sentences and whose stories were the basis for changing this law never got any relief. People realized that's not fair. The proposed uh, bill would change that retroactively for those folks. We're only talking about a couple thousand people who would see modest sentence reductions, no jailbreak. There's another provision related to gun stacking. Um, people might be familiar with the case of Weldon Angelos, a guy who sold marijuana on three occasions, was in constructive possession of a gun all three times. And because of that, they used these mandatory sentencing enhancements to give him 55 years, mandatory minimum, no parole in federal prison. The intent of that law was to uh, wait until your conviction was final before you use the enhancement the next time. And so there's a proposed change to just restore that original intent. Again, the penalties are so severe already. And all they're saying is, you must clearly be a recidivist. You must be a repeat offender before we add even the greater enhancements. So again, this is really modest stuff. And to oppose it just so shows how out of touch he is. All right. So the House seems to have uh, more of a I don't know, consensus on at least some of these smaller measures. Is there consensus on some bigger sentencing reforms that uh, you think are positive? Yeah, I think the House would pass this bill. In fact, I think the sentencing provisions added to the First Step Act to the prison reform would pass overwhelmingly in both houses. I don't think there's any question. The question is, is Congress so dysfunctional that during a congressional election year, they can't pass something that has 80% approval of its members? And I'm afraid the answer to that may be yes, but if they were willing to show any courage, if President Trump you know, continues to show some leadership in pushing for um, prison reform, sentencing reform, um, you know, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, has been the chief advocate for this based in part on his family's experience and his knowledge, um, this can get done. There are the votes for it. So this isn't you know, controversial except among a small minority of uh, members in the Senate who, if you know, if their bluff was called, they would lose. One of the key uh, criminal justice reforms that I, I know uh, libertarians generally support, uh, perhaps universally, uh, but there is pushback from Democrats on it, and there are a lot of Republicans who support this as well, and that is mens rea reform. What is that? Mens rea reform is a really fundamental requirement that before somebody commits a crime, they must not only have, you know, taken some action, but they must also have had corrupt intent, some level of um, bad intent when they committed the crime. And this is standard issue when it comes to uh, criminal law, right? Absolutely. Um, this, is, this, this is the basics. Um, otherwise, you're in a situation where you know, an epileptic can be you know, convicted of assault. Um, and uh, this has been debated. The, um, there used to be widespread agreement among civil libertarians and, as you said, right and left. Um, there's been pushback in recent years because some view this as a way to let corporate polluters and some others escape prosecution. And again, this just sort of shows how debased our debate has become, that we're focused more on you know, power outcomes as opposed to principles. Um, but I think it is a popular idea. Um, I don't know that it'll be included in these reforms because it has engendered enough opposition that it could be you know, more likely to lose votes than gain votes. But I think that's something that's going to be around in the coming years. And some states have moved in that direction, right? There were some state criminal – or, or some state penalties associated with violations of the law that did not carry 
uh, criminal violations that did not carry a mens rea component. And some states have just said, no, if you're going to be convicted of a crime, that's part of the deal. Yeah. It's, it's weird that we're having this debate in 2018, but it's happened because the government has criminalized more and more behavior. And through regulations, people are subject to penalties that, you know, if not criminal, feel criminal. And so, you know, those of us who support reform are saying, you know, there should be some protections in place. I mean, if you believe in due process, you believe that people should only be held accountable for crimes they intended to commit. And so, you know, this debate's happening, as you said, just like with civil asset forfeiture and some other reforms that are moving through the states, Washington always gets it last. Um, but it's an issue that's coming. Uh, and where do we see uh, the the major leaders on this issue? You mentioned Chuck Grassley, who uh, has has long been a tough on crime guy, but seems to have uh, changed his tune a little bit when it comes to these uh, sort of grossly disproportionate sentences. Who are some of the other leaders on this issue? Well, overall, in criminal justice reform, it's hard to find a stronger leader than Senator Mike Lee of Utah who again has experience in this area having been a former federal prosecutor and had being on the Senate Judiciary Committee and working on these issues. Senator Hatch has been a, a leader on mens rea reform and has recently worked with Senator Grassley to find a compromise that was acceptable. Look, there's there's a view among some people, and, and Senator Cotton um, you know, bears this out more than anyone, who view their job as doing anything they can to strengthen the hand of law enforcement. And so that's what even has happened with mens rea reform. People will say, I get the principle, but my prosecutors are telling me, you know, it's going to be harder to get convictions. Well, that's not your job is to worry about whether it's harder to get convictions. Your job is to uphold the Constitution. And, you know, we, we're seeing this over and over again with even with like mandatory minimums. People will say, you know, my prosecutors tell me it's going to be harder to bludgeon plea deals out of people. Again, you know, that that's interesting and it's something we should consider. But that's not the you know, the point of our constitutional liberties is to tilt the playing field in favor of the defense or in favor of the prosecution. It's it's to defend individual rights. And so you see this divide among some who are committed to first principles and then others who are really just interested in, in sort of the power breakdown and whose side wins. And it's weird to see, uh, you, you mentioned that Tom Cotton here is an outlier, even someone who represents South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, is on board for a lot of these reforms that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. This has been going on for a number of years where if the standard is we have to have unanimity, it's going to be hard to pass anything. Um, I'm afraid that's that's where we're headed in the Senate. But um, look at the rank and file senators. I mean, it's a pretty conservative caucus. And, you know, from the libertarians like Rand Paul to the conservatives like I mean, Mike Rounds of South Dakota talking about I suppose I oppose mandatory sentences because I want judges to have some discretion. To yeah, Lindsey Graham, Jeff Flake, you name it. Um, there's widespread agreement, and th again, this is not this bill that's being proposed doesn't eliminate any mandatory minimum sentences. I mean, this is this is the most modest reform. You have states out there like Louisiana that have repealed their drug mandatory minimums. Michigan had already done that. Texas doesn't even have them. So. This is not something that's radical by any stretch. I mean, there are people on the left who oppose the bill because it's so modest. And so, you know, to hear this kind of chicken little criticism from Cotton and others is almost too much to bear because the bill is modest. If the balance of power shifts in the, the House and Senate in 2018, is this kind of stuff going to be more likely or less likely? 
That is a million-dollar question, and I think people are making bets on, on both sides on that. I would say this, that this issue will advance as long as it is bipartisan. And if one party sees this as their advantage, and so they're going to overreach, then I think it's going to kill its prospects. So while I think the Democrats taking the House, for instance, which is the most likely scenario that people are talking about, that could make things you know, more likely to pass or to get bolder reforms. But if they overreach, that's going to undercut the chances because I think then you're going to see President Trump you know, cut their knees out from under them. And so, again, I think the important thing is finding consensus, sticking to something that is doable, as bold as can be, but as bold as can pass, and then go from there. Kevin Ring is president of FAM, Families Against Mandatory Minimums. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and when you think about it, ask Alexa, play the Cato Daily Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.